Chapter 1. Oh yeah, here we go again. Jack-Max, get off me. I pushed fruitlessly at the snoring beast. He continued his slumber. I gave up, throwing my hands in the air. I swear, you're almost as bad as Holland, I complained. Hey, I've heard that, on retorts from the controls of the millennia. Most people would think that it hasn't been nearly long enough since my last adventure. I disagree. Despite the beautiful climate and landscape of Zig, my home world, I was beginning to get a little bored. Don't judge me, I like adventure. I'm a bit of a thrill seeker. So I'm back on the road again. This time, though, I, I don't have a deadline or a package to deliver. I'm off work for the rest of the week. I th- guess my boss thought I deserved it. I think I did. But that's not important now. Zanazar, president of Sparrow, Scientists Association, previewing paranormal activity worldwide, told me about some weird supernatural activity at the space station impact. Of course, I had to check it out. I doubt the people at the impact will be glad to see me, though. After I broke some things, mostly the fault of Scorion, rest in peace, they won't exactly welcome me back. An uncomfortable static feeling traveled down my leg. My foot was falling asleep under Jack Nax's weight. He's very good company, all warm and fuzzy, literally, but if he falls asleep on you, it's very hard to move. Holland, if you get this big lug off me, I can take over driving, I suggest. You're a terrible driver. But fine, I'll help. He slows the ship down to a soft glide and comes over, gently pulling Jack Nex off me. He mutters a bit, stirring, but remains asleep. How do you even keep that fit? I never see you ex- exercise, I point out, gesturing nonchalantly at his physiometry. I have great metabolism, I guess. I just exercise whenever the opportunity arises. It also comes with the job, he explains. Han looks down and pokes his abs. All right, then. Get back to driving, I reply, not completely satisfied with this answer. It doesn't really matter, though. I get up and stretch, cracking my back. I can see the impact dead ahead. I hope we're not too late to miss what's going on. The millennia kicks up its speed and quickly arrives. Han parks smoothly. I nudge Jack Nax with my foot until he wakes up. Jack Nax, I'm going to have to ask you to stay on the ship. You probably won't fit in the elevator, especially not with both of us. I instruct him. He blinks blearily. Okay. He rolls over and goes back to sleep. I hop down and join Holland at the elevator. The cramped compartment is giving me flashbacks to our first visit here. A cheerful ding welcomes us back to the diner. I can still see Scorion's footprints on the floor, despite the intensive buffing that makes the floor shine. Yeah, and I miss him. But this isn't the time for sentimentality. We're here to investigate. Holland and I scan the diner. So far, we haven't been spotted. So far. It's surprisingly crowded, seemingly without reason, until my eyes land on one of the several TVs. Of course, today's a big game day. Personally, I'm not much interested in sports, but this explains the large crowd. Get food and watch the game? It's a no-brainer. Other than suspicious stains, there's nothing out of the ordinary here. I sigh. We must have missed it, whatever it was. Holland, we should get out of Ibian. Then I see someone. They stand up and walk away from the crowd. They're wearing a long white cloak. The hood pulled back. Maroon Doc Martens peek out of it. Their shirt is loose and dark green. Their pants are light blue jeans. I catch only one glimpse of their face before they leave. Their eyes are soft gold, their hair amber. Their skin is a pale lavender. A portal opens in front of them and they walk through, closing it behind them. I couldn't see where it led. Did you see that? I ask, elbowing Holland, still staring at the place where the person and the portal was. 
Yeah, maybe we should talk to Sparrow about this. Holland turns to go, and it takes me a second before I follow him. I shake my head to clear it. When we return to the Millennium, Jacknax is waiting for us, not so patiently. He bounces around the ship. Clearly, his energy level is binary. Well, spill the beans! He bounces onto the deck again. Right, we found the source. It seems someone else has supernatural abilities. I reply. Why am I so distracted? I climb onto the ship and sit down while Jacknax paces in front of me. Holland takes the controls and the millennia glides out of the station. I'm glad we weren't seen. That would have been a mess. Holland remarks, pressing some buttons. Hold on, I'm calling Xanasar. Hey! So he found the cause of that weird signal. Can you come meet us somewhere by the impact? No, we can't meet on the impact. We're not exactly best friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. He saw us ending the call. We'll meet them on an asteroid. Faster than going to a planet, I guess. Naya, can you land it? The question catches me completely off guard. Uh, yeah. Why can't you do it? I ask, standing up and walking over to the glowing interface. Well, for one, I'm getting tired of driving. But it's spicy. Despite your reckless and overall terrible driving, you can actually handle the ship well. I don't want to crash, Han explains reluctantly. I angle the ship towards the asteroid field and slowly speed up. I can see Sparrow's ship approaching as well. Our two ships slur through the asteroids, converging on one of the larger ones. We land. Han hands out spacesuits to Jack, Nax, and I. We're all tethered to the ship, so we don't float away due to the very weak gravity on the asteroid. Sparrow emerges from their ship as well. Holland waves in greeting. Xanazar is impeccably dressed, as always. I wasn't sure you could land here. I'm a capable pilot, I reply. Oh, of course. So I hear you have new information on the signal, he asks. Oh, yeah. So we saw this person making portals. Well, we only saw them make the one. Holland butts in eagerly. I nod in agreement. Interesting. I suspected as much. It appears another person has paranormal abilities. So you didn't see them do anything else? No other abilities? Just the portals? Sounds our muses. Nope. We'll have to record this. Sansar looks at the other scientists. Several of them are already writing rapidly on clipboards. One of them, comically, lost grip of their pencil. They make fruitless swipes in the air as it floats just above them, spinning in slow motion. I know I already asked you to look into this, but I'd like you to see if you can investigate this person. If we can talk to them, learn about their abilities, it would be very helpful to our cause. Zanzar tenses his long fingers. Sure. Again, we have nothing better to do. I agree nonchalantly. Excellent. Here, take this. He presses a small device into my hand. This will tell you where our signal is. Hopefully it helps. He turns away, headed back towards our ship. Oh, uh, real quick. Can I meet your pilot? That was some impressive flying back there, I ask. Zanzar turns around. Of course. His name is Ash. He's very adept, if somewhat reckless. He's been very helpful, including in the lab. A scientist waves someone over. Hey, everybody. Uh, by the way, it's she, her now. What's up? She pushes short black hair back from her face. Nice flying out there, I say as she walks over. Ash appears to be an Abyssalian, like Sanazar. Thanks, uh, likewise. I'm Ash. She shakes hands firmly. Where'd you learn to fly like that? I ask, curious. Oh, this great school over on Sara. Lots of racing there, too. She gestures vaguely in a direction. I'll check it out. I grin. She smiles back. 
Look, I have to get going. Ash points at Sparrow as they shrink back into their ship. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Call us if you need anything. Sparrow retreats into their ship, and we both leave, headed in different directions. Han lets the ship float while he installs the small trinket into the navigation systems. I help Jack Nex out of his spacesuit. Fortunately, the suits are clear and form-fitting. I guess after a while, people realize that with so many species, with extra arms, legs, or what have you, making spacesuits would be easier if one size fits all. Sure, it's more expensive, but it's a lot more convenient. Hello, Holland announces. We've got a signal, and it's close. We turn and dive towards a nearby planet, presumably where the signal is coming from. Chapter 2. Just in the nick of time. The planet we've landed on appeared red at first. After we landed, however, we realized it was covered in forest. Light seeped through the cracks of the giant red and white trees, turning orange. Fortunately, there was no bushes or thick undergrowth to obscure our vision. Unfortunately, there was nothing to see. A beep from the ship confirmed our suspicions. We were too late. I feel strangely disappointed. Looking around, there's not a trace of the mysterious teleporter. Jack Max seems unperturbed, running around like a blue blur. He stretches one of the massive trees, testing his sharp claws. Holland waves me back to the ship. Let's get back up and wait for a new signal. I told you, landing on planets takes too long. Jack Nax and I reluctantly turn to the ship. It's weird. I've never really felt this way about anyone, especially not someone I don't even know. I lounge down, picking at my jacket. Jack Nax sits next to me, stretching. I try to push these thoughts from my head. It fails. I stare over the side of the ship, looking down at the retreating red tree tops. The rose sky grows hazy as we gradually rise to the atmosphere. I'm starving. Let's get something to eat, Jack next complains, collapsing petulantly onto my legs. The cat has a point. I'm hungry. I say. All right. Anywhere about the impact. Holland agrees, glancing at the navigation. By the time we arrive at the floating fast food restaurant, everyone's stomach is growling. We rush into the restaurant. Soon our stomachs are filled, not necessarily with good food, but at least with food. So what now? We just wait for the next signal, I ask, leaning on the cheap, sticky table. Yep. Oh, we should probably head back to the ship, then. Holland points over to the millennia, in case we forgot where it was. I had not. Exercising this knowledge, I boarded the ship and checked navigation. Ooh, we missed two signals from the beepy thing. Holland and Jack next quickly come and look at me. The beepy thing, as henceforth shall it be known, beeped. Hmm, now it's pretty far away. They're on the move. But where? I mused, stroking my chin. Realizing how dumb I looked, I stopped. Let's wait and see if they get close enough to our ship. Then we can try and intercept them? My friends seem to agree. Hopefully this was a good idea. Sneakily stealing the controls from Holland, I guide the millennia away from the fast food restaurant and set her drifting in the general direction of the beeps. With a teleporting target, I guess, I can't be sure of where the beeps will be next. With any luck, they'll be traveling towards us. At the very least, hopefully not traveling away from us. I doubt food will be a goal since we saw them eating on the impact. It's not late enough for one to sleep. Unless, of course, you're Holland, who adores naps. He's taking one right now, in fact. Jack next plays the role of a blanket with purring vicar. But I digress. Where could they be headed? Interrupting my thoughts, the beepy thing beeps. And it's closer. Not too close, though. I quickly ramp up the speed until we're zooming along dangerously fast. I chafe the other ships as we soar past. I don't want to miss them. Not the ships, of course. The person we're searching for. 
we approach a large planet, a gas giant. Interestingly enough, despite the toxic atmosphere of many gas planets, there's still a couple that have been settled. Turns out you can just get respirators and make the city float. Or spacesuits, they work equally well. That's good for us, since we don't have respirators. We descend into the floating city. A blue-gray mist swirls around the ship. We don spacesuits. The outer balcony is deserted. It seems everyone prefers to stay inside. It makes sense. Out here, it's dark and eerie. Scooting along the edge of the wall for fear of falling, despite the railings, we come to a door. This building seems to be a cafe. Patrons sit at tables, sipping drinks, and typing on computers. Looking around, I spot our target, as it were, leaving through side entrance. Reacting quickly, Jack Knack's boats outside again, run towards that entrance. Me and Holland fall on the outside, but only see his shimmering figure. Too late. Better luck next time, he sighs. I guess we might as well get coffee, since we're here. Holland offers, shrugging. I agree, and we take it to go. Looking at the records of the BB thing, there's a pattern emerging. While somewhat sporadic, they seem to be heading in one solid direction, west from the impact. We can use this. I mentioned it to Holland and Jack next. Hmm, that's interesting. Maybe we could cut them off? Holland uses, looking at the navigation and at the pattern. How? They're moving faster than us. Jack next points out. He balances on his hind legs awkwardly in an attempt to see the screen. At the very least, let's get the ship moving in that direction, I reply, gesturing at the controls. Holland takes hold of them, and soon the woman is speeding along. Holland sets the top up. Hey, come here. I wave him over. I got the BP thing onto, like, a tablet. Check this out. It shows a map with points for all the signals. A line connects all of them, showing the pattern. Cool, right? Now it's easier to track them. Jack next says excitedly. Neat. So how are we going to get ahead of them? Holland crouches beside us. Well, since we know what direction they're headed in, we can predict where they'll go, more or less, I explain, drawing an, a line in the air to demonstrate. Holland nods. So, if we can find a way to jump ahead and intercept them, we can talk to them for Sparrow. I feel like so far, but how are we going to get ahead of someone who can teleport? Holland asks, looking at the screen. Well, me and Jack next did a little poking around. Turns out those man-made wormholes that can take you from one side of the galaxy to the other. It's still experimental, and only a few people have access to them, but it's safe enough. We use these gates to bridge the gap, as it were. Jack next nods in agreement, visibly excited. Sure, why not? Why even survive, Holland says. But you can drive. I want to be the one getting blamed for our deaths. I gladly accept. Fortunately, the secret wormhole is pretty close to here. I turn the ship around in a tight 180 and punch in Sparrow's number. Ash's voice crackles on the speakers. Yeah? Hey, it's Naya. We met earlier. Anyway, do you think Sparrow has access to wormholes? Uh, I don't know. Hold on. I hear Ash calling to someone else. Yo, Zenzar. Can uh, Naya use a wormhole? Oh, great. Okay. So, we'll authorize you to go through. I can do that remote. Hey, how's that tracker working out for you? I made it myself. Feedback roars through the old speaker system. Uh, yeah, good. Thanks a lot, Ash. I see the wormhole now. No problem. Later. The call ends, but I'm more focused on the gate. It's composed of a massive ring of shining metal, purple veins glowing across the surface. 
in the center of blue-purple wormhole pulses. It seems almost stretched like a net. Many gray ships hover around it. They all turn simultaneously and creepily to face us. One open ship, like ours, glides up to meet us. This is a testing site. You need proper authorization to be here. A person, masked and wearing a gray and black jumpsuit, waits expectantly. After an awkward pause, they speak up again. If you do not provide proper authorization or leave immediately, your ship will be eliminated. Whoa, 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 we got you. Give us a hot second. Jack Neck says, I rapidly dial Sparrowgun. Ash, please save us from getting murdered. Oh, sh- or crap. There's a lot of scuffling around. A different voice comes on. Zanzar. Do not open fire. I repeat, do not open fire. These people are authorized by Sparrow and myself. The passcode is firewall. The person on sitting on the other ship speaks quietly into advice. The ships turn around. You are authorized to have access to the gate, effective immediately and for the next week, upon which time you will no longer have access. Continue on. They speak almost robotically. I hear Ash come back onto the call. Phew, that was a close one. You alright? Great. Also, real quick, it's he, him now. He says, Thanks. I should hang up now. We're about to go through. Wish me luck. I respond as we approach the gate. Good luck, he says and ends the call. I take a deep breath, speed up, and plunge through the wormhole. Chapter 3. Consider the day seized. When I open my eyes, we're on the other side. I don't realize it at first, though, because it looks similar. Same gate, same ships and guards, etc. But then I take a second look. The plants are different, the suns are different. My map is going a little haywire, but I bang on it and it corrects itself. We made it through. The millennia continues on like nothing had happened, speeding through the empty space. I luckily come to my senses and swerve before I crash into a ship. Slowing down a bit, I try to register what happened. We were in one place, now we're here. I can't believe it actually worked. I look back at Holland and Jack next, making sure they're in one piece. They are, except Jack Nax's blue fur is standing up straight, so he looks like a very surprised puffball. Less fearsome and more cuddly. I laugh at his misfortune. Annoyed, he tries to shake the puffiness out of his fur. This backfires horribly, and Jack Nax is left to sulk at the back of the ship. Holland seems unaffected, for the most part. We drive on in silence for a bit until we're out of the restricted area. Holland takes the beepy thing. Naya, it worked! We're ahead of them now. Let's go! Holland says excitedly. I kick up the speed a bit and turn towards the person's trajectory. My heart is pounding for multiple reasons. The BP thing beeps. We're closing the distance between us. Holland watches as the BP thing shows the person hopping from planet to space station to planet. My anticipation builds as we draw closer. I slow the ship down and turn until we're angled to cut across their path. Holland, tell me where the next signal is. I order, focusing on the vast nothingness around us. I'm distracted by complicated emotions. I drum my fingers against the controls of the lamp. Just as I start to turn around to check the beepy thing, I'm greeted with a surprise. Well, sh- the last word is cut off by a sharp beep. It seems they've come to us. There's an awkward silence where everyone is feels. There might as well have been a record scratch. Uh, hi, I'll just be getting out of your way, they say, turning and opening a portal. Wait, I call out. They stop and turn around. Yeah? I can see silent panic written on their face. Can we talk? I ask. Do you have guns? 
They'll crumb me to Hollow and then to Jack Knights. Of course I have a gun, but I'm not going to use it. I speak honestly. They seem less than comforted by this. Ignoring my heart, which is clearly trying to escape from my ribcage, I go on. I'm Naya. She, her. This is, in, this is Holland and Jack Knox, both he, him. I point to the respective parties. Beaumox? Some familiarity flashes over their beautiful face. I mean, their face. Their face. Yes. Have you heard of me? I ask. You're on the news. There was this thing on Zidon. They seem excited, strangely. Refusing to let this bother me, I respond. Well, who are you? My name is Jai Sos. She, her. She says shyly. Jai, I don't know how to phrase this exactly, but there's, like, an organization that'd like to talk to you. I explain. Likewise. This, finally, catches me off guard. What? I say, surprised. I take a quick step back. You're Naya Bomox. You're one of the five ultimates. Our resistance really wants to get you. Jack explains, talking animately. Wait, 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 wait. What? Ultimates? Resistance? Am I famous? I demand, my curiosity peaked. Well, yes, but actually no. That doesn't answer any of my questions, I retort, annoyed. I have an idea. Jai and I turn in unison towards Holland. We wait for him to start talking. You can take us to your thing, and we'll take you to ours. Well, you'd still have to do it because of the teleporting, but you get the gist. Holland says, we both nod in agreement. I was headed back to base anyway, Jai says. Okay, hold on and follow me. Wait, well, let's park the ship first, I say. She shrugs and sits down. I guide the ship to a nearby station and make sure it's locked. Jai stands and reopens a portal. We walk through. I find myself in a strange dream world. There seems to be no floor, no ceiling, no walls, no limits. All around us there's portals. I can't see where they lead. We walk through the void. It looks like cracked black glass. I keep following Jai. Her cloak billows, though there is no wind. She leads us through another portal, and we tumble onto soft green grass. Jai's still standing, but the rest of us lie in a pile, Jack next pinning Holland as I land on top of them both. She offers me a lavender hand. I take it. It's warm and soft. I blush and straighten my clothes. It may be a bit awkward your first time, Jai says, smiling shyly. With a grunt, Holland pushes Jack Nax off him and pops to his feet. Cool, he grins. Jack Nax's fur is still super puffed up. I'm still getting used to it myself. I only got my ability a week or so ago, she explains. The resistance found me pretty quickly. Since then, I've been training. Okay, but what resistance? I ask. I lean down and pet a disgruntled jacknax, smoothing some of his fur down. We're a group dedicated to stopping Kasonu Eltas, comprised entirely of those with abilities, the paranormals. And did you come up with this, those names yourself, or... Jack Nax asks, still annoyed. Uh, yes, the Resistance did. Our official name is Vindication. Jay points to the clasp of her cloak. The emblem of a phoenix signs in the sunlight. Anyway, Kasonu Altus wants to take over and control the galaxy. He has a couple of paranormals working for him, but I don't think he has any ultimates. Not yet. So far, he's been trying to take over Vindication so he can use us as his army or whatever. That's about as much as I know. I'm still pretty new to this. She finishes. That's a lot. Our is blinking. I sway, still unsteady. 
Well, what did you want? Jai asks. I remember Sparrow. There's a group of scientists that want to learn more about you. Well, people like you. They're very friendly. You've even helped us out once. Have you heard of Sparrow? Scientists Association previewing paranormal activity worldwide? Personally, I think the name is pointlessly long and only for the acronym, but whatever. I shrug. Jai seems a bit more nervous now. I don't know. I guess I can run it by a boss, though I don't think she'd like it, she says, rubbing her arm. Let's keep moving. Are you ready? Yeah, no worries, I reply, even though it is very much worries. I don't exactly feel great after the first time. But we follow her anyway into the void. She seems not very confident, which fits well with the general feeling of the group. We flash through several worlds, some desert, some water, some fire, some ice. Fortunately, we haven't run into any trouble, at least so far. When we finally stop again in a space station, my whole body feels weird, like it's buzzing. Are you doing okay? Jai asks, concerned. Yes. I lie badly. I don't know why. Maybe I want to impress her. Maybe I'm just an idiot. Are you sure? She crosses her arms over her chest in a way that's hard for me to ignore. I decide to think about Jack Nex's puffiness. I could use some air. Hallenoffer is wavering on his feet. All right, then, let's take a break, Jai says. We sit down. Holland falls asleep, as if caught in command, slouching into a bench. Not attempting to wake him up, I hope Jack next regains some dignity. He still seems embarrassed, though. Jai buys an energy drink and quickly downs it. So how do your powers work? I ask, sitting on a table across from her. Well, I can only travel so far, and it wears me out. I can't travel into space, underground, or underwater, or generally into any inherently dangerous situation, like lava or a plant with no air. I can still go if there's hostile people, but I can't teleport onto, say, a knife. Oh, and I can't teleport into the air. I always come out on the floor, she explains, ticking things off on her fingers. Weirdly, I notice a leather glove on my hands. Why are you wearing only one glove? I ask, pointing. She seems embarrassed and hides it under the table. So how do your powers work? Jai asks, changing the subject. I let it rest for now. Well, I focus, and a demon kind of just pops out. It's random, though. They do stuff. I need them to, and then I let them go. Also, I've never gotten the same one twice. I don't know if it's possible. I hope so. I remember Scorion. I really hope he's okay. I miss him. Why? She asks. Normally, I wouldn't say, but I feel like I can trust Jai. I want to trust Jai. I lost a friend. He had been there since the start, always looked out for me. During that battle on Zidon, he got stabbed. Usually, not just melt on him, but this time it was different. He got really hot and then cool. Cool enough. I sent him home to get help, but there just wasn't really time. I know if it was fatal or if he's okay. I pick up the table listlessly, my head down. Jai reaches out and takes my hand. I look up. I'm sure he's fine. It wasn't your fault, she says, fill- kindness filling her voice. I feel a little better. Thanks. She smiles and drops my hand. There's a small, peaceful pause. It's immediately broken by Jack Nax attempting to wake Colin. Jai's sweet smile turns into a frown. Is he okay? I turn around and watch him. Oh, he likes to nap. We should probably move on, I suggest. I get up and walk over, assisting Jack next. Holland starts awake. Jai opens a portal. I brace myself and walk through. We're almost there, 
she announces. You better not be lying. Jack next bares his teeth. I hush him. Uh, we're here, she says nervously. Chapter 4. Go big or go home. It does not look like the base of resistance. It looks like the apartment of a stoner. Fake brick wallpaper, giant beanbags, and overlapping rugs. People mill around, sitting on chairs and talking or watching TV in the corner. I thought you were taking us to the base of indication, I say in disbelief. I, I did, Jai says, confused. But where's the weapons? The ships, I ask, gesturing at the utter lack of preparation. Ah, I see. Jai walks over and pulls back a rug, revealing a trap door with a ladder going down. She leads us down. The difference is stark. In the middle of the room, there's a war map with people crowded around it. To the left, I can see a room labeled Armory, with a thick vault-style door blocking it off. To my right, a narrow hallway leads to a shipyard filled with mighty armored ships. Clearly, I have sorely underestimated the resistance. Ah, so's. Who's with, with you? An imposingly tall and strong-looking person stands at the head of the table. Hey, boss. I found Naya Bomox, she says, looking up at boss. Even Holland is shorter than her. Is that so? Boss looks at me. I raise a hand awkwardly and wave. Hi, I'm Naya, she, her. As much as I like to take you at your word, so I need some proof. Naya, dear, please follow me. She turns abruptly, walking towards the other end of the room. I follow her. We walk into a large room, somewhat similar to a gymnasium. There's a bunch of large, colorful blocks positioned around the room, forming an obstacle course. A large rope hangs from the ceiling, a foam mat below. Many people spin and jump around the room, exercising the powers of their own. The ceiling is surprisingly high for a space station. Show us what you can do, Boston tones, gesturing to the open gym. I breathe deeply. I feel a lot of pressure, but I don't know what to do to impress them. Can I get some volunteers to test Bomox? She bellows, interrupting my internal panic. A couple of people jog over. We walk a little ways away from the entrance. Okay, I'm ready, I say shakily. The people stand in a circle around me. I have no idea what their powers are. I concentrate for a moment, and a small demon pops into existence in front of me. It snarls, no bigger than my foot. Seriously? One of the tougher-looking people says, crossing their arms and looking down it. Without warning, it lunges at their face. The rest of the group charges me in unison. I summon more demons, and soon almost every one of them is caught in combat. The only person not fighting a demon is now fighting me. Unfortunately, I soon discover their power. Elasticity. Any punches or kicks I throw miss. Realizing I'm sorely outmatched, I summon another demon, a large green feline with long, sharp claws. I mount them and head straight for the thick rope. Digging their claws into the fibers, they run up it. My opponent is fast behind, climbing it masterfully. In one fluid motion, I release the demon I'm riding and fall off. Time seems to slow down as I pull a move I've only used once before. Dozens of demons suddenly fill the room. My freefall ceases, and I float above the quickly quelled fight. My wings beat the air as I look down at the astonished faces of the fighters, Jai and Boss. I breathe heavily, and my eyes feel like they're burning. One word rings out, breaking the silence. Ultimate. I can't tell who said it. Maybe it was Boss, maybe one of the fighters, maybe even Jai, but it echoes, carrying the weight of an army. 
I slowly lower myself to the ground and in hushed words, releasing all the demons. I walk back over to Boss. I'm shaking a little, but I don't notice it until Boss grabs me by the shoulders and examines me at arm's length. Very impressive. Would you consider staying with Vindication for a while? I be believe your resources will be valuable to our cause, she says gruffly. Uh, sure. I nod. Boss releases me with a pat on the back and turns away, head back into the main room. Wow, that was incredible, Jack says softly. She reaches out and gently touches one of my wings, studying it. Y yeah? I ask, still a bit unsteady. Adrenaline rushes through my body. Mind if I sit down? Jai nods quickly and leads us back up into the main. I gratefully lie down on a large bean bag. Jack next and Hot One join me. So you can do that? Jai says, incredulous. She sits across from us. Yes, I did it once before on Zidon. It took a couple of days for the wings to go away. Your eyes are red again, Holland notes, pointing. I nod in agreement. Well, what are your abilities, your limits? Jolene's forward, curious. Okay, uh, let's see. I can summon multiple at a time, but I have to release them one by one. They won't leave unless I release them. They will essentially do whatever, but they don't, like, physically have to. Whoever I summon is completely random, and I've never gotten the same one twice. Also, their physical characteristics are random. I can't follow them into the portals they come out of. Oh, and they come instantaneously, I say, thinking. That's about it. What's, what does being an ultimate even mean? There's only five known ultimates, including you. One has the power to restore life. That's the most recent one. One can summon beings. That's you. One can take control of others. We don't know where they are. One can control and generate the four elements. They're a husk. And the last one can kill instantly. They're in the outer reaches, though. You'd also ask boss, she... Wait, what's a husk? Holland interrupts Jai. When you use your powers too much, there start to be physical consequences. I notice Jai rubbing her gloved hand almost unconsciously. Eventually, if you don't stop and take a break, it will consume you. You won't be yourself anymore. You'll be a husk, a mindless beast of destruction and rage. She seems to snap back into reality. Anyway, it's not important. It never happens. There's an awkward silence between us. Holland seems a bit nervous. Or maybe that's just me. It kind of scared me to hear that I could do that to myself. I kind of already am with the wings. I need to keep this in check. I try to push those thoughts away. Jack next move over and curls next to me comfortingly. The science is soon broken by the loud rumble of Holland's stomach. Jack starts in surprise, only fa almost falling over. Hey, can we get some food? She nods, composing herself. Of course, follow me. Jack leads us to the end of the room. To my left is a long, narrow hallway lined with doors. Straight ahead appears to be the bathrooms, and to the right is clearly the kitchen. Delicious and enticing smells waft from it. There's already most of the people inside, making themselves dinner. Microwaves hum and glow, and chatter fills the room. At the very end, there are several benches and tables where several people already sit. The kitchen itself is a huge expanse of refrigerators, freezers, toasters, blenders, microwaves, counters and cupboards, everything you can need to keep a whole lot of people fed. We weave our way uncertainly through the bustling kitchen. Finding a safe spot, giant instructs us. Us. You guys can grab s just grab some food. Meet me at the benches. 
Oh, and the cabinets are labeled. I struggle to hear her over the noise, but everyone splits up. I grab some food and put together a sandwich with surprisingly little difficulty. Walking to the back of the room, I find Jai sitting by himself at a table waiting for us. Not seeing Holland or Jacknax, I go and sit down across from her. It's hard to talk all over all the cheerful chatter, but I manage. This place seems pretty big, I half shout. Yes, we have many rooms. You should stay with us, Jai responds. Can we go somewhere quieter? I ask. Sure. We make our way back to the much quieter main room. Finding unoccupied beanbags, we sit down and begin to eat. Much better. I bite down on my sandwich. Jai nods. So, I swallow. What is it that you do here? We were trying to normalize paranormals. In a lot of worlds, paranormals are being wrongly incriminated. But now we're trying to fight Kasonu Eltes. They want to take a less peaceful approach, and they have a couple of powerful paranormals on their side. No ultimates, I think. That's good. Maybe I can help out, I offer. Would you? That would be great. We can get you your own room and such. Jai replies, excited. I nod, and there's a small voice. Jai, can I see your hand? I ask gently, pointing towards her gloved hand. I, uh, no, she says, embarrassed. Please, it's fine, I just want to know what's wrong. It looks bad. Jed is the one to meet my eyes. You can trust me, it'll be fine, I reassure her. I'm a bit nervous about this. She slowly slips the glove off. Her hand looks like it's covered in a black ooze. In color and pattern, it somewhat resembles the nether warrant she goes through when she teleports. You don't need to hide this. It's just because you use your power too much. Like, how I have my wings. I really don't find it gross. I'm somewhat surprised that she would be embarrassed about this. I'm sure other people have something similar. Just because this is happening doesn't mean you'll become a husk. My voice catches on the last word, bring light to my own fear. But Jai looks up again. Thanks, Naya. There's warmth in her voice. Real empathy. Something in my heart stirs. She puts the glove into her pocket. We continue eating for a bit, quietly. I catch Jai looking at me. I tell myself that it probably means nothing, that I was just being nice. Our moment is soon interrupted by Jack Nexor. So that's where you were. You can't just ditch us like that, Jack Nex says. Sorry, sorry, I apologize, brushing breadcrumbs off my jacket. I look at my watch. Man, that's pretty late. Oh, I can show you your rooms, Jai offers, standing. If you want to stay here. Yeah, definitely, Jack Max says, already forgetting my ear. I met this cool person, Narlo. Jai laughs. I thought you might like Narlo. Come on. We walk into the small hallway I know certainly. Some of the doors are open or partially open now. People talk and laugh while the doors are dead silent. I hope there's good soundproofing. At the end of the hall, there's four open doors across some hall from each other. Holland, you're 103. Jack Max, 105. Naya, you're 104, and I'm 106. The rooms are connected in pairs, but don't worry. I won't bother you. Jai smiles shyly. Holland and Jagnex immediately dart into the rooms. I see a door in between the two rooms that must connect them. I walk into mine. It's fairly small and square, but not too modest. I find it somewhat similar to a motel room. In one corner, there's a full-size bed with a nightstand and lamp next to it. In the corner across from the bed, there's a desk and chair. To the right of the doorway is a sofa and coffee table facing a TV to my left. 
Laundry is at the end of the hall to the right of the stairs. Bathrooms are between the kitchen and the sleeping area. Giant shocks pointing in the inappropriate directions. Good night. I close my door and try to get used to the room. It would be nice to stay in one place for a while. Besides, I doubt this place could get boring. And Jai's here. But never mind that. I'm tired. I hope my wings will go away soon. They're actually a bit of a pain. It feels unnatural. Then there's the whole husk issue, which I'm not prepared to deal with yet. So I lie down, turning off the lights, finding the bed surprisingly comfortable. Soon, I'm asleep. Chapter 5. A Not-So-Spiritual Awakening When I wake up, it's pitch black. I fumble for the light switch and turn on the small lamp on my nightstand. I rub my eyes blearily. My wings feel better, which is a good sign. I check my watch. It's way too early in the morning, if you can call it morning. I can't tell what woke me up. I decide to go back to sleep, but before I can lie back down, I catch a glimpse of light seeping under the doorway. It's the door that connects my room and Jai's. I stand up and quietly, cautiously approach. I knock. After a moment of silence, the door opens. Did I wake you up? Jai asks. Clearly, she's been awake for a while. No. Are you uh, okay? I respond, wavering unsteadily. Yeah, I just can't sleep. There's a pause. Well, come in. She waves me in. I sit on the couch, rubbing my eyes. So, what's up? I ask, feeling sufficiently awake now. I don't know, I just have this weird feeling. I woke up and my hand was better, too. She shows me. Almost all the black stuff is gone, leaving her hand as perfect as its partner. My wings are better, too. I turn and point. My wings are now much smaller and folded together. Naya, there's something I have to... Her words are cut off by the sound of a loud explosion. I jump to my feet and we burst into the hallway. Many other people stand at the door. It's sealed shut. Hold on, let me through, a voice shouts. Oh, it's Yetna. They can breathe in any environment, including outer space. It sounds like the wall of the main room has been breached, so we can't go down into the armory to get our spacesuits, Chai explains. Everyone get in the rooms. I'm opening the door, Yetna instructs. We quickly retreat. After a pause, there's a loud whooshing sound, presumably caused by the door opening. Jai and I lean against the door to her room. So, does this thing happen often? I ask, looking over her. She laughs nervously. No, sometimes we do have to fight over enough attacks, but they've never been able to damage the station. Attacks? From who? I respond, concerned. Some people don't like that we have supernatural abilities. They say we're abominations that must be destroyed or demons. Jai looks down. I stifle laugh. I think I see enough of demons as is, I murmur. Ha. Huh. But don't you ever get noticed targeted? I think back. Now that she mentions it, I have a lot of su- had a lot of surprise in the last few years. I guess I assumed it was part of the job. Or the galaxy. Hmm. Yeah, actually. Why do you? Yes. I try to say say inconspicuous, but I've been in a couple of incidents. I feel bad now. Maybe I've been brushing Jai off. Sorry. Hopefully after all this, we can have some peace. She looks up and smiles. But the moment passes when Yetna knocks on our door. We open it hurriedly and accept the spacesuits. As soon as it appears everyone is suited up, miraculously, I'm surprised they have so many. We charge the door. Outside waits a fleet of ships. One person wearing a spacesuit, but otherwise alone, watches us. 
We fled into the room, prepared to challenge the assailant. Pifa, what are you doing here? Bossed a man, standing in front of us. This is your last chance. For too long we've been abused by this spiteful galaxy. Join Eltus now and we can take our revenge, they announced, floating just enough to be at eye level with Boss. Cut the crap. Your ships have attacked us, so we will respond accordingly, she replies, undeterred. It's not too late for you, Peter says, addressing the crowd. If you leave Vindication, you will have your glory. I don't need you to give me my glory. I can just take it for myself. Someone, a lone voice in the silence, speaks out. It's Yetna. Soon, slowly, more people speak up. Defiant shouts bring in build into a deafening roar. Fine, then. You'll all perish. Pifa spits. They turn and signal to the ships. A dead silence, like the calm before a storm, follows. It seems we're like we're moving in slow motion as the lasers from the ships slowly make their way towards us. Wait a second. We are in slow motion. Motion. Or... Everything else is. Looking around, everyone in Vindication seems to be moving at normal speed. I am, too. Someone must have used their powers to give us the upper hand. We charge towards an unsuspecting squadron of ships. Boss is headed straight for Pifa. I fly past them, going for one of the ships. Jai is a little bit ahead of me. With some difficulty, I land on the ship. Jai opens a portal, and we slide through into the belly of the beast. Suddenly, time snaps back into gear. I hear Jai mutter, Thanks, James. I assume that's who has the slow-mo powers, but we have bigger problems. Namely, the guards that are running towards us. I draw my gun and take aim. A gun fires at us, a powerful bolt heads straight for me. I go to Jodge, but Jai is faster. She opens a portal, though that consumes a shot. I run to meet the guards and duck, avoiding their gun and sweeping their legs out from under them. I shoot them. Of course, it was only a stun bolt. I rarely set my gun to kill. Jai goes for the other guard. She opens a portal behind them and kicks them through. I think there's no other guards here. Let's go up to the front and take control of the ship. I suggest. We quietly make our way through the ship. With one shot, the ship is dead in the water. Jai breathes a sigh of relief, brushing her hair out of her face. We should keep moving, I say. She opens a portal and we're back into the broken main room. We're winning. Boss has pinned down Pifa, and all these ships are dark and inactive. We run over to meet them. This isn't over, Pifa hisses, writhing under Boss's heavy boot. No, my dear, no it is not. Ah, so please escort Pifa into a prison cell. Uriel 6, if you would, Boss instructs calmly. Jai opens a portal, and with a swift kick, Pifa disappears into the inky void, the portal closing behind them. Well, that takes care of that problem. Boss waves everyone else over. Can anyone help patch up this hole that Pifa made? She asks. Someone raises her hand, and quickly the room is sealed again, a gray and puffy foam filling the gap. We remove our spacesuits, no longer being needed. I flop down onto a beanbag with Jai across from me. You're getting pretty good at that. I wish I could help more, but my wings, I say to her. Thanks. You're plenty helpful, too, she responds. I know it's the same ominous goo creeping up her on. Maybe you should lay off for a while, I point smartly. She blushes and covers it up. Uh, yeah. Are you sure you don't find it off-putting? What? No, I mean, you don't find my wings or eyes off-putting, I reply immediately. Your eyes are beautiful, I mean, fine. 
Now I'm blushing. I can feel the uncomfortable hotness on my face. I decide to ignore this comment in favor of not getting my hopes up. I fail miserably. Fortunately, I'm safe from responding by an overeager jackknicks. Guys, you should have seen me back there. I took down a whole ship single-handedly. He bounces up and down with ego-inflated happiness. Oh, come on. I did all the work. Holland complains, coming up behind him. What? But that one guy, I totally kicked it. No, that was me. You liar. You fiend. Stop trying to claim all the credit. Guys, guys, I'm sure you both equally contributed. Jai interrupts, dispelling the argument. Yeah, equally contributed nothing, I joke sarcastically. Both glare at me. I grin. Hey, speaking of contributions, who slowed down time? I'd like to meet the person who can do that, Jack next says unexpectedly. Oh, you mean James? I think I see them over there. Hey, James. Jai waves over a youngish-looking earthling. What's up? I'm James. He, him, or they, them. He introduces himself. An earthling? But aren't you guys, like, the worst? Holland asks. Psh, I take offense to that. But yes. What did you want? James says amiably. Maybe earthlings aren't all bad. Just to meet the man who pulled that sweet trick, Jack Nax says. Oh, thanks, mate. There's nothing really. Wipe me out, though, James replies. Right, well, I'll let you two get acquainted, but I'm starving. I get up and head towards the kitchen. Several other people flock towards it as well, due to our collective and premature awakening. I make cereal, not really wanting to do anything else, and take a seat by myself in the back of the room. I didn't know you liked cereal, a voice says. It's Jai. Oh, yeah, see, on Zeke, there was just fish. So when I left the nest, I got to try all sorts of new and sugary foods. The first one I tried was cereal. It's stuck. Excellent. She smiles and sits down. Toast with butter and honey. Another breakfast delicacy. Zake is your homeworld? Jai asks, biting down with a satisfying crunch. Yep, it's pretty nice, I affirm. I've only been once when my parents took me on vacation. We stayed at this little motel by the beach. The Rosebud Motel? I ask, curious. Yes. Do you know it? Of course, I just stayed there yesterday, I think. I say it with excitement. I guess a lot has happened since then, Jai says. Yeah, actually. I trail off, thinking about the adventures. Let's see. We followed Jai around the galaxy, went through a giant wormhole, met Jai, met Vindication. I lead a pretty sweet life. Well, from my point of view, at least. So what's your homeworld? I ask, zoning back in. Oh, Gullman. I think me and Yetna are the only ones here, she replies. Well, what's it like? I persuade, curious. Hmm, there are lots of trees and mountains. It's pretty windy. It's always a little bit warm, too. Peaceful. In the place where I grew up, there was a little waterfall and a small pond. I used to play there in the summer. She gets a faraway look, describing Goldman. It sounds beautiful, I say. I can almost picture it, even though I've never met myself. Maybe I should go sometime. Oh, yes. In autumn, the leaves would all turn orange and red and yellow, and then they would all fall down at once, making a colorful carpet across the landscape, mountains and valleys. Jai says wistfully, I'm jealous now. I joke, but half-heartedly, it really does sound beautiful. Zayek is very nice too, you know, she responds, coming back to the present. Yeah, it's always summer. I agree. 
What was it like then? And growing up in perpetual sunshine, she asked. Not as interesting as you would think. We fished, swam. Pretty simple. Well, at least until you know what happened. Then there was Scroyon. I used to get into trouble and Scroyon would get me out. Man, I messed the guy. I'm sorry, Jai says sympathetically. It's okay, there wasn't anything I could do. I reassure her. Or myself. At this point, I'm not sharp. I get up and put my dishes away, Jai falling after me. Now I've eaten, I just feel tired. I think I'm going to take a nap, I say, headed towards my new room. Are you sure you're okay? She asks, with warmth in her voice. Yeah, I'll be fine. I wave her off. I really do think I'm fine. Are you sure you don't want to see the armory? She offers a bit of mischief creeping into her voice. I turn around. Why didn't you say so? Chapter 6. Something smells fishy, and it's not just Elta's. Okay, it is just Elta's. Naps can wait. I don't know how she picked up on that, but I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to see the force behind the resistance. Jai leads me back down and up to the sturdy vault door. With a smooth spin of the wheel, the door slowly slides open. What do you think? I thought you should see what you have in store. Also, I caught you staring at it earlier. Translate, I walk through the long vault. Boxes of spacesuits, small explosive-type objects, and more I can't identify sit carefully tucked away in an array of sturdy shells. Rows of neatly stowed rifles line one wall, pistols, semi-autos, all of it. I gently take a rifle off the shelf, holding it lightly. This is the good stuff right here, I reply, still examining the rifle. It's clearly been made with attention to detail. It's easy to hold and light. I suspected you might be interested in weaponry. Did you ever use a rifle like this before? Jai asks, approaching to see what I select. A rifle? Yes. Like this? No. It's it's exquisite, like you. The words slip out of my mouth before I can stop them, as if they were waiting for the chance to escape. I hurriedly ask, Can I test this one out? I gesture vaguely back towards the gym. Sure. She leads me back out to the gymnasium. There's a small door that has a shooting range. Oh, hey, guys. You're in here, too? Holland asks, putting a gun down and waving. Holland, how'd you get in here? Boss let me in. She's nice. Holland chirps, turning back towards the target. He shoots three times. Each one is bullseye. Wow, I didn't know you were such a good shot. Jai says, thoroughly impressed, yet still blushing. Yeah, he can throw really well, too. I agree, admiring his target. I walk up to a three into a free position, which is almost all of them, and take aim. I'm not nearly as good as Holland, but I managed to get close enough to the center. You're lucky. I have terrible aim. I'm better at hand-to-hand combat, Jai says. Holland keeps shooting, his lasers tearing a neat hole through the very center of the target. He nods in approval of his handiwork. Where'd you learn? I ask, still focused on my aim. On Goldman, they taught martial arts classes for credit at school. She replies, as if this was a normal thing. What? I ask, demanding an explanation. Well, they probably don't do this anywhere else, but at my school you could take normal PE to get the PE credit, or you could take martial arts or dance. Any of them would get you the credit you need to graduate. I thought martial arts class would be cool, so I did that. Most people just did the normal class, Jai says. Now, I wish I had gone to school on Goldman. 
I could have learned martial arts. I barely know any past the basic punch and kick. Street fighting, really. I wonder how powerful Jai really is. An alarm, an alarm blares briefly. Oh, that just means we have a meeting. Let's go back to the war room, she explains. Reluctantly, I put down my rifle and follow her. Holland's right behind me. I seriously doubt the room has enough space for all of us, but everyone piles in. Jack next wheels to the crowd to stand next to us. Attention, everyone. As you know, the Vindication was recently attacked by Pifa, who is currently following Kasonu Eltas. They are now imprisoned. As Boss speaks, a holographic display flickers to life, showing images of first Pifa, then Kasonu Eltas. He looks like fish, and I know fish. I mutter. Jai hushes me. But I'm not wrong. With scaly green skin and bugged out eyes, he strongly resembles what my dad cooks up. Sucking holes for ears and no nose completes the ensemble. We should all be on our guard. Altus may attack again. I propose an assault on Linguine, specifically for an Altus. We will use non-lethal force. It is imperative that civilians are not harmed as there are several towns located around the fortress. There will be four teams. Alpha, Beta, Delta, and Omega. Team Alpha will infiltrate the base. Team Beta will be on standby above the base in case Team Alpha is neutralized or complications occur. Lastly, Team Delta will be in space orbiting the planet to detain any would-be escapees. We must take the responsible parties into custody. Team Omega will comprise the remaining members. Team Omega will stay behind and monitor the other teams, watching vitals, operating communications, and gathering information for Teams Alpha, Beta, and Delta. Are there any objections? Boss speaks confidently. No one raises an objection. I will now assign you your teams. On Team Alpha is Smith, Petrovich, Unknown, Halberd, Soz, Freehold, Garif, Unknown, Bomox, and Verity. On Team Beta is Idfall, Bermejo, Dilarvia, Redig, Lozada, Arstakov, Velsquez, Vefremov, Ikaitz, and Farjado. On Team Delta is Ueno, Sedikov, Galthier, Kumatai, Roe, Milongo, Jasso, Peria, Illusion, Oleta. Tomorrow morning we will launch our mission. You have your assignments. Vindication, you are now dismissed. Everyone departs quickly, chattering excitedly. Oh, hey, we're on the same team. You guys are unknown, right? Jai says, pointing to Jack next in Holland. I have to assume, assume so. You don't know anyone with the last name unknown, I'm sure. Not a very common surname, I affirm. My heart is pounding. I get to go on a mission with my friends and Jai. I'm excited, for sure. Why are we Team Alpha? Holland asks. Well, presumably we're the best for this mission. That's usually how it works. Jack explains as we make our way back to the main room. We find empty two seats and sit down. I already know I'm the best, Jack next says, puffing out his chest. Haha, but seriously, we just got here. What's with the promotion? I ask. It doesn't quite add up. You're an ultimate, you're a perfect shot, and you're fast as lightning. She replies matter-of-factly, pointing to each of us in turn. Ah, never mind. I think about it. Maybe there is a good point. I mean, my stunt yesterday wasn't nothing. At least my wings are shrinking. I barely notice them now. 
Anyway, we climb upstairs. Come on, let's go to my room. We can talk strategy, James says, waving us over. His room is 109. It's a bit small for 10 people, but I'm not really complaining. Okay, so what do we know about this guy? Someone asks. Jack pulls a holographic display showing a profile Kasono. I read a bit. Big fortress, teleconnect powers, a couple of people on his side. He's mad because people didn't like his powers. I took his background. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This guy has zero background. You're saying he came up out of nowhere from a small swamp community? Either you need to do better research or something's not adding up. I say, looking around the room. No one speaks, so I continue. I mean, really, like, have any of you ever heard of this guy before he started making trouble? How did all this start, anyway? James, of all people, responds. It, no, someone mentioned it? The guy wanted equal rights or something? So I guess someone reached out, and then things escalated. Actually, now that you mention it, this is kind of weird. Yeah, you should—you could say something smells fishy. Jay responds, grinning. I never took her for the pun-making type, but whatever. It was well-fitting. Alright, I guess we might as well look into it further. Someone, I think Paul Petrovich, suggests. After a few minutes of thorough research, nothing. No other records of paranormal activity on Linguine, and no other signs of hostility towards paranormals. At least based off the Sparrow database. They give access to my phone. So the main media, there's no news stories about Linguine in relation to paranormals. Kasuni Altos practically didn't exist until a week or two ago. Then a couple people joined him, and the attacks on anti-paranormal areas began, and just today, the vindication was attacked. You're telling me you're fighting a war against a ghost, I demand. Silence. It appears so, but we still have to go to Linguine, even if we don't know who we're up against. I propose we ask Mr. Alta some questions. Talc Faraday, John informs me quietly, says. Second in command to boss. I whisper my things. What's the plan, then? Paul asks. If they see our ships try land near the base, they'll shoot us down. We'll drop into the base using space shoot and parachutes. From there, we'll make our way to Altus. If you're injured, Lon Halberd will heal you. Halberd, if we get too injured to keep going, call in Team Beta. Do not attempt to kill anyone. We need to get to the bottom of this, Verity instructs. We all agree, eager to leave the cramped quarters. Jai, Han, Jack Nax, and I decide to go to Holland's room. Let's stick together. I got you guys, Holland says. I think with our combined powers, we can overwhelm the compound. What do we do until then? Jack next yawns, laying on the floor like one of those tacky fur rugs. Monopoly? Jay offers. Well, I'll beat you. I smirk. She goes to get the game. Yes, Monopoly is a board game. From Earth. But for some reason, it's a hit. I don't know why, but I like it. I would say I'm pretty good. Jay arrives soon after, shaking the box playfully. Holland pushes Jack Nacks out of the way like a bulldozer, and the game begins. I get lucky, snatching up boardwalk and park place. Jai scowls. Holland has a stretch of Baltic and Mediterranean and all the light blues. Jai quickly gets the Greens, Tennessee, New York Avenue, and Marvin Gardens. Holland gets both utilities. Jai gets Reading and Pennsylvania Railroads, but I crowd B&O and Shortline. Holland's losing money fast, especially with Jai playing a house on all the green properties. I only have a house on boardwalk. I get all the reds, too. Reds, though. Pretty much all the properties except for Virginia have been taken. 
Holland's not looking so hot. A man should put houses on the yellow properties after Jai trades Marvin Gardens for St. James Place. Holland goes out to Jai. After pushing a hefty pile of houses onto her new properties, I landed on Pacific. Crap. So it's looking pretty good for me, having to mortgage almost all my properties. But then I get really, really lucky. Jai lands on Park Place and then Boardwalk in a highly unlikely set of rolls. Ha! I win. I stand up victorious. Jai collapses against the couch in defeat. Alright, good game. She puts out her hand out and I shake up. Holland's stomach growls loudly. Let's get food. It's been hours since I've eaten, he suggests. Finding this a splendid idea, we promptly abandon Jacknax. He's sound asleep, anyhow. The kitchen isn't too, too crowded, fortunately. We quickly found a table. Holland eagerly slurps down a bowl of soup. You have a big appetite, John notes, watching him. Yep, he replies cheerfully. That demon can eat anything, I swear. I agree. You know, I was. Uh, once I was so hungry, I ate a plate. He. brags? No, you did not, I protest. Well, it was a paper plate, Holland admits. Jai laughs. What about you, Jai? What's the craziest thing you've ever eaten? I ask, trying to. Oh, I don't know. I eat a lot of crazy food. It's kind of my thing. I would have to say. A bug that was still alive. It was gross, but kind of cool, she replies. I stick out my tongue. Ugh, really? I didn't think you were into that. Okay, for me, it would be a fish eyeball. My dad wanted me to try it for protein or whatever. I shrug. Not as interesting as yours. I remember that. He put salt and pepper on it. You were like eight at the time. Holland chimes in. Try laughs again. That sounds clear and pure, like the ring of a bell. Okay, okay. We're coming in tonight, so we should probably rest, she says, standing and putting away her dishes. I fall asleep. Jacknax is in my room, though, Holland complains. Just ignore him. If it really matters, throw him into his own room, I advise, disinterested. I'm a bit too tired for this. A nap is in order. So I lie down on my bed, shutting the door. I sleep. Chapter 7. If your parachute breaks, you have the rest of your life to fix it. I am not ready for this, Jai contemplates, staring down at the small black speck far beneath us. Why'd you come with us then? I ask. We're standing on the edge of an open-faced ship, hovering high above the Alta space. Jai restlessly shoulders her parachute. Verity informs us that they are fairly small, clear, and light. We should deploy them as late as possible to avoid being seen. Once we've landed, ditch the backpacks. We have guns, of course. My heart pounds in my chest, mostly out of excitement. I've never skydived before, but I'm sure I'll love it. The rest, not so much. Oh, and once we've taken the compound, we should radio teams Beta and Delta. I do not know, Jai replies. It's too late now, so I'll jump on three, two, one, go, Verity says. Jai hesitates for a split second, but jumps. I follow right after. The wind roars, rushing past me. The once tiny fortress grows larger as I pick up speed. I see Jai just ahead of me, her hair streaming out behind her. I fall like an arrow past clouds, keeping speed with the rest of Team Alpha. A deep, earthy green plain stretches for kilometers all around us. The only structures I can see is a small village surrounding Kitsonu's base. So far, it doesn't seem like we've been noticed. The flat gray roof of the compound grows closer. 
Below me, Jai pulls a cord and suddenly stops. I yank my cord as well, and with a sharp jerk, I'm floating steadily down. I land softly on the roof. Everyone now slowly lands around me, Jai being the last to land. Her face is flushed with exhilaration, and I'm sure mine is as well. I can't help it. I loved free-falling. But I have fi- bigger fish to fry, pun not intended. Jai seems somewhat unsteady on her feet, wavering slightly back and forth. Her hair has fallen into her face. Unexpectedly, and without thinking, I brush her behind her ear. Okay, team, split up to cover more ground. If you find Eltas, radio the rest of Team Alpha. Verity and Trucks, we start moving towards the stairwell, practically on tiptoe. My boots crunch against the gravel roof, not so subtly. I silently curse myself. With an ominous creak, the wooden door swings open. Verity leads us down, and from there we split up. Five people head down to the first floor. Jai, Holland, Jack, Nax, James, and I stay on the first floor. The second floor. The split in the corridor. Jai, Jack, Nax, and Holland head one way, and I go with James. The hallway is fortunately deserted, except for one guard who we quickly knock out. So, you and Jai, huh? James whispers. My fate heats up. Um, no. Why, is she your girlfriend? I try, trying to keep cool. This is not the time. Heck no, I'm gay. I got a boyfriend, James responds as we keep through the keep through the corridor. I'm just saying, she's been looking at you kind of hard. What are you insinuating? I demand in a whisper. We stop at an unmarked door. The real question is, what are you not insinuating? James gives me a, conspirator, a conspiratorial wink. I shake my head at him, then nod towards the door. I count down three seconds and bust through. Just an empty storage room. I close the door and look around. You follow suit. Come on, you've been looking at our dough light since you got here. Either bang her or marry her already. I'm not Han. Besides, we're in the middle of something now. Could you not? I gesture around us, pointing out the fact that we are not in safe territory. Look, it's not like two girls being into each other is illegal or anything, James protests. Nothing here. Let's move on. I ignore him. He sighs in defeat. Fine, I'll drop it. After knocking out a guard in the hallway successfully, the lights flicker out. We keep watching through the pitch black. I feel my way along the wall until my hand touches something. A doorknob. Then a hand touches me. I probably jumped almost a meter in the air, but fortunately it was dark enough that no one saw. Dude, you can't just do that, I complain. Sorry, Holland's voice replies. There's a door here, guys. Come on. James taps softly on the aforementioned door. I turn the door knob slowly and creep into the room. Uh, I hope everyone else is behind me. I bump to someone in the dark. It is not Hall. It is not Jai. Neither James nor Jack Max. Ah, crap. I'm cut off by a, sol- a solid punch to the face. I flail in the darkness. I can't see a thing. The lights flicker slowly back on. Five guards lie prone in the floor. Apparently, we stumbled into the break room. Not the best room to stumble into. Guys? Jai asks. There's a long cut on her arm. Oops. Jack Knight says meekly. I grimace. That is not good. Here. I lead her over to the small sink and watch the cut, drying it gently with paper towels. I don't think it's deep. Are you okay? I ask. Sure, I'm not a great doctor, but we're kind of on a stealth mission here. 
well, a stealth mission so far. Yes, I'll be fine, she replies, pulling down her sleeves to cover it. Jack Nix looks down, severely embarrassed. I don't really blame him, it was pretty dark. Shutting the door behind us, we look through the newly lit corridor. There you are, we have a situation. Paulus gets into view, breathing hard. Then they take off, assuming they want us to run after them. I hop on Jack next, Jai, Chains, and Holland following suit. He runs as if he were the wind himself. He runs as if there were nothing on his back but fur. He runs as if life itself was pushing him on. Before I can blink, we're at the bottom of the stairwell. Chaos reigns. Our stealth mission has gone off the rails entirely. Jack next keeps moving, though. He darts from guard to guard, knocking them down like bowling pits. We duck narrowly to avoid Freehold's arms stretching towards a guard. One, two, three laps. Jack next stops abruptly, flinging all of us from his back and onto a less than graceful pile on the floor. Sorry. Hey, I did it, he crows. I sigh and stand up, dusting myself off. That was fast. Verity seems impressed, though it's hard to tell. A guard's getting up beside them. Holland grabs them deftly by the collar and holds them off the floor. Their gun clattered down next to me. I take it. It's a pretty good model. Not as good as what Vindication has, but whatever. So, do you have an idea where Altus is? I demand, looking up at them. Please don't hurt me. He's under the... Suddenly, their voice changes. They know you sound scared, and there's a strange undercurrent. Like, it's not really their voice. You will not find him. Cease and desist. Holland, startled, drops him. I think I know what's going on, but we have to find Altus first. Let's move, Jai says, surprisingly contemplative. When the, within a quick round of firing, all the guards are stopped. I wander into a small room. It looks like quarters. No one here. We must have gotten them all. I'm assuming that Kasonu has some sort of secret trapdoor, like on the Vindication. I look under bunk beds. Nothing. Not single. Hatch, lever, button, or conspicuous wall sconce. Man, it's like this guy who doesn't want to be found, I say to Holland. He shrugs, missing the joke. Chai's in the next room with Holland, an armory of some sort. Not nearly as well stocked. Anything here? Did you touch everything? I ask, poking my head in. Nah, come on, James replies, shaking his head. They follow us out. Everyone, I found him. Paul shouts. You could have done it see sooner. You have heat vision, James complains. Everyone crowds around Petrovich. He's underground next to a big heat source, probably the water system. He's alone. Try looking somewhere over there, they point. That is a wall, I reply. No, I'm not dumb. They weren't pointing to anywhere in the building. They were pointing outside. Maybe the village? Jazz suggests, much more helpfully. I walk outside. The sky is overcast, but the villagers seem friendly. We're on top of a large hill that slopes down gently to the town. With some difficulty, I manage not to slip on the wet grass. Holland fails to do this and slides down. Fortunately, the rest of us are more nimble. We spread out. Jai, Jack Dex, a more muddy Holland, and I enter the nearest hut. It's deserted. I poke around a bit. Do you think this could be it? Holland asks, pointing to a large and... Uh, and highly conspicuous lever. He pulls it. A trap door pops open right before Jack next. Hey, look! I found it! He says before hopping down. I shake my head at him and follow after. 
There's a set of slightly damp but fairly new stone stairs leading down. Right after Holland enters, the trap door slams shut, making Jai jump. At the bottom of the staircase, there's a small, dimly lit passage. We walk for a while. It doesn't take long before we come to a sturdy metal door. It's unlocked. With a long moan, the door slowly swings open. Well, this isn't creepy at all, I whisper. He's alone, standing still in the large room. The ceiling is fairly high for an underground lair. The walls are supported by thick, curved, rusty pillars that arch towards the roof. Mm-hmm. Kasunu Eltas, we've come to bargain. I step forward. He says so. Naya, this is bad. You don't know who this is, Jai says quietly. I turn around, stopping cold. What do you mean? I ask slowly. Chapter 8. Fishes be crazy. It's like I've been punched in the back of the head. I'm sent reeling. Holland catches me. Kasonu still hasn't moved. Naya Bomox, I thought I never thought we'd meet. You defeated Baudelio Crowan Zidon. But this is greater than you and me. This is about the, all those who have wronged me, have wronged us. There's the same strange quality to his voice. I can tell Jai senses us. Why can't we just do this peacefully? I ask. He turns around suddenly. He's twitching slightly, unsettlingly. Peace was never an option. I did not seek war, but I did not start it. Peace is always an option, Jai says firmly. She stands beside me. Holland and Jagnes follow suit. Nothing will change. We will always be outcasts. Now you will join me or die. Kasonu is floating now, levitating higher above us. What do you think, guys? Feel like dying today? I ask, looking at my friends. They nod. Holland cocks his gun. I crack my knuckles. Jack next grapples. Ujatu occur. You are under arrest for attacking multiple cities and the space station Vindication, causing significant damage. Jai commands. Ah, you know my name? It doesn't matter. Not even another ultimate will stop me. Eltas, no, Ujatu, replies. We charge. I hop on as Jacknax runs up the wall, flipping over towards him. I can barely hold on. But he stops, midair. I start to fall, but a portal catches me, putting me safely on the ground. Jacknax flails, but does not fall or move forward. Holland goes to shoot, but his gun only clicks. Jacknax falls to the ground, but is fortunately uninjured. Naya, we can't reach him from here. You have to... Jai says hesitantly. I know what she means. I focus and bring someone new into play. My wings were back. A demon with wings made of pure ice flies up with me. Is fish giving you trouble, mate? They ask. I nod. Their fists become a snowstorm, yet Eltas Ujatu dodges them successfully. Man, you're like the opposite of Scorion, Holland remarks, his gun still clicking uselessly. Who's that? Doesn't matter. He they reply, still focused on the fight. Well, who are you then? I ask. I'm Baffix. He, him. Pleasure to meet ya, Baffix chirps. Who is Scorion? Why should I care? Uchatu asks. I turn my attention back to him. We're still fighting. He's fast in the air. I only managed to land a few attacks. Uchatu seems not bothered, but Kasonu isn't looking too good. Wait a minute. I fly back, away from the spirited melee, and push a few buttons on my phone. I have an idea. Enough. I grow tired of your antics. 
Ujatu flies back down to the ground. I go to meet him, but not before Baffix hits me. Baffix, go home, I yell. He disappears. Naya, Ujatu can possess people. You're on your own now, Jai yells from across the room. Daknax stands up, almost robotly. Ah, this is a nice body, he cracks his neck. No more games. Daknax charges. I barely have time to react, but Daknax falls to the ground before me. Sorry, Jacknax, Holland calls out. He must have stunned him. No, what about you? Holland says, or rather, Ujatu says. This is bad. Very, very bad. He raises his gun, and I know he's going to hit me. Jai takes action this time, knocking the gun from Holland's hands. It lands at my feet, and I pick it up. Jai teleports away from Ujatu. He starts running towards me and fast. I dive out of the way. He turns around, shreds for me. Then he starts attacking me. I'm narrowly avoiding his punches, but many connect. Too many. He backhands me, and for a moment, I'm airborne. My back hits a hard stone, and all the air goes out of me. Ujatu is charging me again, but Jai saves me once more. A portal opens, swallowing him. Another portal opens right before a wall. Holland crashes into the wall with a loud thud. I slowly stand up. Not you, too. I grimace. I know what comes next. I'm not ready for it. You can't win this one, Naya, <clears throat> she says. Jai sews. The last person left who can hurt me. I know she wouldn't, but Ujatu will. I haven't lost yet, I reply. My voice shakes. We stand directly facing each other. I can see Kasonu in the corner behind Jai. I slowly walk forward five steps. Ujatu teleports directly in front of me. He's attacking me. I fall down. Everything hurts as he hits my sides, my back. I see Jacknax and Holland lying prone. I notice Kasonu watching, terrified. Ujatu stops. I spit blood onto the gray stone. I look up at that face. The soft, lavender skin, the golden eyes, the array of freckles that look like stars. I know what I'm doing. Why won't you fight me? Ujatu demands, glaring down at me. I want to fight Ujatu occur. But I can't fight you, Jaisos. Because, because I love you. Chapter 9. This is the greatest plan. Something flickers behind her eyes. Some recognition. Something changes. Kasonu Eltas rises again. How did you do that? Ujatu snarls. I struggle back to standing. Jai is completely still, but faces him. You must have a strong will, girl. You kicked me out. He spits. There's a quiet humming noise. It quickly grows louder. A spaceship crashes through the wall. A rock hits Eltas in the head, and he collapses. Hi! I'm Ash, she, her, for now. Ash steps triumphantly out of the spaceship. Ash, what the absolute frick were you thinking? I demand. I'm barely standing. You said to come over? You needed help? She asks, walking calmly over the rubble. Why would I ever mean crash a spaceship into the ground? I cough. She stops and thinks about it. But it worked, right? Ash asks. She slings my arm over her shoulder and starts helping me into the ship. Y yes, sure. I collapse onto the seat. Ash brings in a shell-shocked Jai and a prone Jacknax and Holland. The ship slowly rises out of the collapsed hill. Dirt and dust fall off the sides and roof. I radio team Beta and Delta. It's oh, over. I click off the radio. 
then everything goes black. I wake up in my bed. A pack of chips sits on the nightstand, bow-wrapped. I feel much better, though dark bruises have popped up all over me. There's a dull pain in my head. I sit up slowly. I can't tell if this is a dream. I don't think it is, though. I hope everyone's okay. I spot a card on the nightstand, which I open. I read. Miss Naya Bomox, it has come to my attention that you and your friends successfully expelled a Jato Akur, who possessed Kasonu Eltas. A young Abyssalian by the name of Ash had helped. They have henceforth been banned from helping anyone for a decent amount of time. The mission was not a complete success, as Akur is still at large. However, I believe he will not bother us for the time being. Please accept these chips as a gift. It is my sincere hope that you feel better soon. Many thanks, boss. I silently thank Ash for helping us. Carefully, I stand. My legs feel steady enough. I thank Halbert as well. I pace around the room a bit, testing my health. Then there's a knock at the door. Come in, I reply. Jai enters, shutting the drawers softly behind her. Are you feeling better? She asks. Yes, what's up? I ask, slightly concerned. Naya, do you trust me? She responds hesitantly. Of course, I respond immediately. Will you close your eyes? Jai asks, stepping forward. I do so. Then, her lips meet mine. Our breath mixes as warmth spreads throughout my body. She draws away. You can open your eyes now, she says. There's a slight tremor in her voice. Not yet. I don't ever want to forget this moment, I whisper. I slowly open my eyes. Jai stands close to me, blushing slightly. Naya, I I never said it back, but I love you, too. Jai sews. I would like it very much if you would be my girlfriend, I respond firmly. I've never been so sure about anything in my life. Naya Bomox, I would be glad to be your girlfriend. She leans in and we kiss again. No moment before has ever been so perfect. Whatever happens next, whatever adventures or danger, at least I'll have this.